From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. Just for the record, Vanessa Van Edwards is not an awkward person. But as it turns out, that required a lot of work. So I'm a recovering awkward person. And I learned very early on that if you want to learn people skills, it's really hard to learn them from an extrovert. So I'm an introvert, ambivert, and very awkward. I struggle with social anxiety. So I set out to figure out very specific tactical blueprints for conversation, for body language from an introvert or ambivert's perspective. And I will tell you something, that backstory just blows me away because when I first met Vanessa, which was many years ago at a conference, she seemed so friendly and easily accessible and, dare I say, extroverted. But as I now know, that is just because she is so extremely good at her job. Vanessa has turned this work into a career. She is the founder of a company called Science of People, the best-selling author of a book called Captivate, The Science of Succeeding with People. And she has a new book out right now called Cues, Master the Secret Language of Charismatic Communication. And I love Vanessa's work because even if you are not an introvert, even if you, like me, are super comfortable going up to people, This kind of stuff is still so interesting and so helpful. And in this conversation, Vanessa and I dig into some of the little things that we do, either in person or when we're connecting by video, to make people comfortable or very uncomfortable. And also, she clears up some of the misconceptions that we have about exactly how our body language is or is not communicating what we want it to do, which brings me to how I opened this conversation. (laughs) I wanted to tell Vanessa about a story from my childhood in which I did something that was, now that I look back on it, kind of odd, but that I think Vanessa will have a kind of insight into that nobody else would have. I'm going to tell you this little story that I haven't told you before that my wife still makes fun of me for. So when I was in middle school, me and a friend hacked into another friend's Prodigy account. This is the 90s. You're aging yourself, Pre-AOL. Yes. Post-CompuServe, pre-AOL. That's the time. And we hacked into our friend's CompuServe account or Prodigy account, and then we used his parents' on-file credit card. And we didn't, I don't think we spent that much money, but we spent some small amount of money. And then we were caught. And my parents told me that this was illegal, which I guess it was, it was illegal. And that a cop needed to come interrogate me. And a cop showed up. Now, only years later did I understand that this was just a friend of my dad's who was a cop who came to scare me. But at the time, I thought there's an actual cop coming over. And you're thinking, why am I telling you the story? And here's why. Because as I'm sitting there being interrogated in the living room by this cop about hacking into our friend's Prodigy account, I remembered reading somewhere, hearing somewhere, that having your hands behind your head is a, is a signal of confidence and calm. And I wanted to show that to the cop. No. And so I sat there Jason, listening to this cop with my hands behind my head. No. Trying to project, you know, scare me, cop. And now I look back and I think that must have looked absurd as a middle (laughs) schooler trying to do that. But I'm excited to have this conversation because I think we know, we all know some of these little things. This equals that, that means this. But I don't think that we know how to really use them. And that 
I think is the reason that you wrote this book and why it's so important. First of all, that is the perfect intro story. And I have a question for you. Yeah. When you put your hands behind your head, did you feel more confident? Do you remember feeling like you could tackle this better? Well, so I think that I did, but probably not for the reasons that you would say. And the reason was because I felt like I had something that I could do that was giving me control of this situation. Right. Which really, so you're, you're, well, people can't see it. you, but you're like shaking your hands yes, like I'm yes. saying the right thing. So, yeah, I felt like I, I was like, I don't know if this works, but I, I'm doing a thing. I have some control here. And that made me feel good. Okay. So, control is the key word here. I really thought about adding control to the title or subtitle of the book because I think that there's two aspects of these tiny signals. The first is decoding, spotting them, knowing what they mean, having a system for all of them. I think that. I have uh, 93 cues in the book, knowing what those 93 cues are and, and, and having that knowledge. And knowledge is very empowering. It also helps you be more purposeful. The second aspect is called encoding. So encoding are the social signals that we send to others. That's being in control of your impressions. That's saying, okay, I have this cop that's going to interrogate me and I want to show up as confident. What do I do? I have a business negotiation, but I want to be collaborative and I want to inspire trust. What do I do? I have a date. I want to show up as attractive and available. What do I do? And so encoding is the piece I think we forget about. Knowing what to do with your hands, with your face, with your words. So cues are not just about our nonverbal cues. They're also our vocal and verbal cues. I think that knowing exactly what to do in every interaction gives you so much confidence because you're like, I am doing a thing and I know the science behind it, right? Like I'm a science geek. There's a lot of science in the book. And therefore, I have less anxiety, I have less awkwardness, and I'm not wasting opportunities with my signals. So that was exactly what I was hoping you were going to say, is whether or not putting your hands behind your head, the research shows that shows confidence. You felt more in control, and that's the key. See, I knew Vanessa would have insight into this story that nobody else ever had. All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we are digging into the cues that you may or may not be sending correctly when you are trying to do your work. Coming up after the break. No one succeeds alone. Even the best entrepreneurs know when it's time to bring in an outside expert. With Upwork, you can find top developers, designers, project managers, and more who can start today so your business can succeed tomorrow. You can check work samples, client reviews, and more to make sure you're hiring the right pro for your business, and there's no cost until you hire. Plus, you only pay for work you approve. Whether you're looking to hire a single pro for a project or an entire team to scale your business, Upwork can help you reach your goals. And however you hire, Upwork is available to help you keep things running smoothly with 24-7 support, letting you stay focused on what matters, your business. Find the right talent for whatever your business needs at Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Learn more at www.upwork.com. All right, we are back talking with Vanessa Van Edwards, author of the new book, Cues. And she says that to really appreciate the importance of cues, you have to understand how we engage with them because it is on a deep level. What's happening behind this is that our cues are contagious. And this is a, by the way, it's never good to say contagious these days. So our nonverbals can do in a good way, in a good way. In that it creates wash your hands afterwards. (laughs) Right. Yes, yes, exactly. And then it creates a cue cycle. And that's exactly the piece that I think most of us miss is what happens is, let's say that you walk into a room, let's take a business situation. You walk into a a room and you want to show collaboration, right? So you're meeting with your team. You want everyone to open up and feel really uh, collaborative. So you do, 
the nonverbal signals and the vocal signals of collaboration. And yes, there are cues that actually help people be more collaborative from the research, which is incredible. You go in with that purpose. So just having that purpose is going to make you feel more confident and more powerful. You do the cue. Then other people in the room, and they've actually shown this, we like to subtly mirror other people's cues and we don't even realize we're doing it. So for example, um, we've also found is when I start nodding, you also will nod back just because you're nodding. So like on this video, we've been nodding a lot because we trigger each other's nods. So one, right, crazy, right? So one is you do this collaborative cue on purpose and other people begin to pick up on that purpose. They begin to pick up a cue. They do the collaborative cue, which then makes them internally more collaborative and they send it back to you, which also makes you more collaborative. And you get this like beautiful feedback loop. And so I think in a world where I think a lot of our interactions feel a little out of control, a little confusing, we hop onto videos and we're desperately trying to bridge the gap because there's no handshakes. We're not in person. Even on video, these cues can speed up connection. We, we actually, I did an experiment that I talk about in the book, which I can talk about where we actually can change our physical chemistry based on what we say and do on video. What? what? I don't even this know how to process the thing okay. that you just said. Okay. I know this is, so this blew my mind. So I partnered with Dr. Paul Zak. Dr. Paul Zak is an incredible researcher. He runs a brain lab called the Immersion Lab, and he's like the chief researcher of oxytocin. What he researches is how do we feel trust and engagement? So at the very beginning of the pandemic, when all, everything was on video, I reached out to him and I said, I have an idea. Do you want to do an experiment with me? And Paul is amazing. He, he always is down for an experiment. So here's what I said. I said, you know how, when you start a video or even on the phone and you are missing the handshake, there's no cheek kiss, there's no hug, there's no high five, there's no handshake. So you're trying to make up for it. So you say something like, it's so good to see you or Mm -hmm. um, sending a virtual high five. I said to him, here's my theory. I wonder if saying a physical word like it's good to see you making eye contact, sending a virtual high five. I wish I could give you a digital hug. Saying the word hug, does it actually change your chemistry? If you don't, if you can't actually hug. So what we did is he has a, a program where we had people in our lab wear smartwatches while they watched two different videos. The first video, we had them just say positive neutral phrases without physical touch. So, so happy to be here. I've been so looking forward to this. So glad we could get together. So positive neutral. The second set of videos had these touch words, sending a virtual high five your way. Wish I could give you a cheek kiss from where I am. It's so good to see you, right? So replacing it. What we found is in the video where we had the physical touch words, the physiological reaction, the skin conductance increased by a measurable amount. So that's crazy. in his lab, it was 35% skin conductance on the positive neutral versus 71 in the actual, just by saying handshake. The reason why I think this is so important is one, even just small verbal cues can actually trigger this, like just a couple of purposeful words. And it actually, it's not just our mind, it actually changes our physiology. And what do we do with that? That is a fascinating insight. What is the point of it? (laughs) Okay, so this is so easy. Like it's such a simple takeaway, which is the first 10 words out of your mouth in a video call, on a phone call, should include some kind of engagement word especially on video. So now whenever I hop on like an important video or important meeting, I'll be like, Hey everyone, sending a little high five your way. Wish I could give you a cheek cuss, cheek cuss. (laughs) I don't say that. I wish I could give you a cheek kiss. Right. So just a little positive word. This also works in email. So, right. So, Hey, Jason's been forever sending a hug from Austin. So in our emails and our video calls, just add one word. That one little word can actually change the engagement, the entire interaction. This isn't just a matter of being aware of what other people are doing or whatever. This is about not just feeling some sense of control when you're connecting with people, but also 
knowing the things that you can do to just create better settings, better connections, and better opportunities, right? Yes. it's. I think that a lot of the science that's been out there isn't feel applicable. And so I have like a secret sauce that I adhered to as I was writing the book and I was very strict about it, which was science plus example plus action step. So if I had great science, but there was no way to apply it, I didn't include it. Like for example, there's very good science that having an increased blink rate. So the more you blink, the faster you blink, the more nervous and anxious you look, it's called an eye blocking cue. But you know how hard it is to control your blink rate? Really hard. So, so So I didn't include that in the book. So you know, I think that everything is, you could use this in your email, your phone call, your video call, your in-person and hopefully give you a little more confidence. Okay. So I'm going to ask you in a minute to run through, let's pick maybe three of the most interesting cues and things that people can do with them that don't involve weird blinking. (laughs) But before we do, I I just want to ask you one, I just want to tell you one other story that's more current, current like this week. So this episode will air, so I can say this on mic, this episode will air after the January issue is out. So the January issue has Jimmy Fallon on the cover and I just we're speaking, you and I are talking on December 2nd. And I was in his office two days earlier to meet with him and interview him for the cover. And so Jimmy is an interesting guy, lovely as could be, so friendly, like every good thing that you think about Jimmy Fallon um, is oh. born out when you meet him, which is great. But it's interesting. So he's a, he we, we met in his office. We're sitting at this table that he has in his office. But ever the entertainer, every time Jimmy would get on a roll, he would pop up and kind of talk, walk and talk. Right. Uh, because it's what, it's what, it's what he does. Really? He, he, he would stand up? Yeah, he would stand up. Oh. He would stand up and he would pace sometimes. <laughs> and he would talk as he like paced or uh, he would mimic something or, or whatever. It, he seemed to really like he just he seemed to be most comfortable on his feet. Wow. And, and so I vaguely aware of this this concept that you had hit on of mirroring and how we, we do it naturally, but also I think you correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, if you're aware of somebody doing something and you mirror it back, it kind of creates a sense of comfort. And so while he was doing this, a thought popped in my head, which was like, am I supposed to be up from my chair right now? Like Jimmy cannot seem to sit in his chair. Should I be in a chair? And I didn't know the answer to that. But what I decided was, was just standing up because he's standing up would seem weird. weird. So I didn't do it. But I thought I should do something. Now, usually when I talk to people and I interview them, I am frequently sitting forward and like sitting forward because I, because I, I want to show engagement. But I thought maybe because he is slipping into entertainer mode. He's like talking and he's animated and he wants to show me something. And so he's up on his feet. I should sit back like I'm an audience. And so I did. And I don't know if it made any kind of difference. I mean, we had a great time. Like I, J- Jimmy and I had a fantastic conversation. Really, really enjoyed it. So maybe I maybe some part of that was body cues. But I'm very curious what you think of that moment. Okay, I love it. You tapped into something really interesting. So one of my favorite cues is the lean cue. And the reason for this is you were doing it without realizing it and you were actually doing it exactly correctly. So what research has found... So right now, anyone who's listening, just lean forward. Not Mm -hmm. far, just a couple inches. Just try it for me. What they found is that when you lean even a few inches forward, it actually activates a very specific part of your brain that is action-oriented. Now, this makes sense, right? If we're about to get up to do something, if we're about to... If we want to hear something better, what do we do? We lean in. If we want to see something better, what do we do? We lean in. If we want to touch something, what do we do? We We lean in. So leaning is actually a precursor for action. So your brain knows that when you are leaning... And by the way, other people's brains know that if you are leaning 
you are probably either thinking about action or very engaged. So this is wonderful because one, when you want to show engagement, you should lean in, right? Like leaning in towards someone literally shows them, I respect what you're saying so much. I am ready to take action from what you're saying. And the second thing is if you feel burnt out, if you feel disengaged, a trick you can play for yourself is to lean in because it will wake up your brain. So if you're on a video call and you're like, okay, come on, Vanessa, wake up, wake up. I got to do this. Lean in and it will, you'll feel oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm with it. It's almost like a breath of fresh air for your brain. So you were Mm -hmm. right to lean in, in the sense that that was showing him, I'm not walking around with you, but in my mind, I'm walking around with you. Do Do you think, I love that. Do you think that I was wrong then to, to sit back when he was, when he was like up and pacing? Look, I don't believe in right and wrong cues. I believe in purposeful cues. And so I love that you were purposeful with it. Your, your thinking was, I want to take this in. So what you did is called a distancing behavior. So when we lean back in our chairs, specifically if we're not taking up more space, so leaning back and putting your hands behind your head, for example, that's actually a spatial cue. That's an expansive cue. And that's a, that's a confidence or a competence cue. The more we take up space, the more confident we feel, the more confident we look. If you're leaning back, but you're not taking up space, and it's a little bit slightly different, is a distancing cue. So distancing cue we do when we need space, literally, right? If we don't like the way something smells, tastes, looks, acts, feels, if we feel threatened, we sit back. However, they've also found, again, I love the research, that when you are overwhelmed by something or something is too much in a good way, you sit back. I even tell my speaking clients that when you're speaking on stage, if you lose your train of thought, like let's say you're on stage, and you're like, I blanked. The best thing you can do is take a small step back. They found that your brain actually is able to f- literally get mental distance from it. So in a way, oh. it could have been a compliment for him. And you were like, wow, <laughs> I am taking it all in. And so the fact that you had purpose behind it, yeah, it's right, right? It's, yeah. it's right. I love it. We're going to take a short break and then come back with more from Vanessa Van Edwards. If you want to understand what the hell is happening in the economy and your bank account, then understanding finance and investing is key. But that understanding shouldn't hurt your bank account. It should help it. And that is why Real Vision has a ridiculous deal. It is a $1 trial deal so that you can see how Real Vision is the place to understand the financial world and the themes that drive it. It is a video on-demand platform that you can watch basically anywhere, mobile, desktop, smart TVs, and more. Since 2014, they've been on a mission to democratize access to the financial information that was largely kept behind closed doors, the stuff that actually affects your wallet, your investments, and your future. As a member, you'll get daily videos and analysis, plus access to more than 3,000 videos from the archives. And guess what? You can join for just $1. Like I said, to get started, just visit realvision.com slash problem solvers. Try out Real Vision for a week for just $1. And if you like their content and their mission, get a year of essential membership for only $199, a 17% discount and less than $17 a month. Use the promo code EssentialPod at checkout. All right, we're back and let's pick up the conversation again with Vanessa Van Edwards, author of the new book, Cues. That is mind-blowing about the step back thing because the language that we use if we want to understand something better is we we step back. Let's take a step back, right? A step back. I always think about that in terms of structuring a story. Section one of a story, you throw your reader into a moment. And then section two is when you step back and start at the beginning, understand it. It's so interesting that it's not a metaphor. That is a literal thing that we're programmed to do. So action step for everyone on this science. If you, are, if you lose your spot in a presentation, on stage, in a meeting, on a date, 
sit back or take a small step back. Like people don't even have to notice you did it. That will actually help you reset. And you just took control. Part of what's what's happening when we get stage fright or we freeze is we feel like, oh, oh no, oh no, I lost it. I lost it. I lost it. So knowing, oh, what do I do? I take a step back also brings control back into the conversation, the situation. And it also helps your brain. Second is if you are in a meeting or a date or an interview or a video call and you want to show engagement, lean in. Okay. I'm it. Yeah. You said, okay. you, yeah. <laughs> no, wait, no, where are you going? I, there's so many things. There were so many, there's things. So many things. There's so many there's things. There's so many of it. You know, what's funny is that I said, I said, I, before I told you the Jimmy Fallon story, I was like, let me tell you the story. And then I'm going to ask you for a couple of tips. And then instead the story birthed like five things that are mind blowing. So I don't, I don't even know what to do, but what were you going to say? I have, I was, I have, oh, three you have three. I, you yeah, still have three. I have, th- I have three. Yeah. Let's run so, through them. Let's do it. Okay. So the very first thing is I think that what grounds cues to make them more purposeful is understanding where they fall. And really fascinating research found that the way that we judge people is on two factors, warmth and competence. And these factors are essential for 82% of our judgments of people. That's a major amount of our judgments of people. And so when you're in an interaction, you want to actually try to have a balance of warmth and competence cues. And that's actually the formula that we use throughout the book. So I want to give you a warmth cue and a competence cue and a danger zone cue. A danger zone cue means it's neither. So actually, I'm going to start with the danger zone cue. This is a cue that I just want you to watch out for. So one of the experiments that um, I did for the book, and actually we did this for, we talked about our research for entrepreneur was we analyzed 495 Shark Tank pitches. I remember that. And we looked for patterns. So one small pattern that we actually didn't make it into the official research, but I did notice was that when a shark was about to go out, by the way, do I have to explain the premise of Shark Tank for, for folks? You do not, although although I, I realize that I should explain the premise of that you said we did this for entrepreneur was that we ran this piece, we ran a piece based on the research that you're describing years ago. Years I don't ago. even know how many years ago, but yes, in the magazine, this was in the magazine years and years ago. It was totally fascinating. I think everybody who's listening to this understands Shark Tank, so that you don't have to explain. Okay, okay great. Keep going. Yes, perfect. Okay, so one thing I noticed, and this is anecdotal, but I, I think I noticed it enough where I was like, hmm, something's going on here. When a shark was about to go out, a few minutes before they were about to go out, you would notice that they would do a cue called a lip purse. A lip purse, just press your lips together into a flat line. That is a nonverbal cue of withholding, of holding back, of disengagement. Like for example, if you're trying to stop yourself from saying something or you're trying to be like, hmm, I don't know about this. We purse our lips. And I noticed on the sharks when they would pan to the sharks that if they were about to go out, that's usually what they were doing ahead of time. And we found it one specific pitch, which I talk about in the book, which was Jamie Siminoff pitching Ring, which was originally called Doorbot, to the sharks. What's fascinating about that pitch, and it's been in my mind ever since I saw it, is he pitched Doorbot to these sharks, which Ring is a massively successful company, right? Yeah. He pitched it and he didn't get a deal. He no. went on Shark Tank with incredible numbers, incredible product, and they all passed. And right before Mark Cuban passed, he brought up a very difficult question to Siminoff, and then he lip pursed. And I actually got a screenshot of it so you can see. And Siminoff ignored the question or he didn't answer the question well enough. And he went on to address someone else's question. And a few minutes later, he pulled out. And so I bring this up because one is you want to be on the lookout for lip purses. If you're in an interview, negotiation date, meeting, and you notice one of your colleagues lip pursing, they might be holding something back. They might be withdrawing. That is the perfect time to say something like, you know, John, did I miss anything there? Hey, Mary, any questions? Any questions, anyone? Happy to open the floor to questions. Or you know, let's pause here for a second. Does this all make sense? That is when I say that when I'm in a meeting is when I notice someone on video or someone in the room that's lit first. So that's a danger zone cue. The second thing is try not to do it yourself. 
or do it when you want someone to pay attention to, I have something to say. So sometimes if I'm on video and I want to speak, you're actually better off being like, do a lip purse because unconsciously people go, oh, something's happening there. Vanessa, is everything okay? So that's the, does that make sense? You, you can use it both ways. So in other words, you can use it, you're signaling to other folks who are just, they, they may not have just heard the fascinating five minutes of lip purse <laughs> discussion that you just gave me, but but they are just intuiting that something is wrong there and it will draw attention to you and it can. will give you the opening. It can. Yes, it can. So there's two sides to that. So that's the first thing. That's called a danger zone cue, which means it's not on the warmth and competence scale. We want to avoid it or look out for it. Okay. okay. My favorite warmth and competence cues. Here's my favorite one. So the first one is, uh, it's called an eyebrow raise, which sounds very basic. So, right. We just raise our eyebrows. And now the important part about this is we're raising our eyebrows, but not our eyelids. So it's not mm, like a fear. It's expression. not shock. It's right. not shock. It's just yeah. her eyebrows. A fascinating little anecdote about this is I was um, listening to a story from Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he was talking about how he's always fascinated by all this astrophysics and science, but he never is sure what to keep to put in his book. So he has a little experiment that he runs. When he's writing a book, he gets on an airplane and he talks to the person next to him about what he's writing. And he says, whenever they raise their eyebrows, I put that in the book. When they don't raise their eyebrows, it's not interesting enough and I don't put it in the book. So he That's says- a great signal. It's a great, so he says, my books are compilations of every eyebrow raising thing I've ever said. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, I hope that he doesn't sit next to people who really hate talking on planes because this is going to be a <laughs> destruction of the research. But Jason, if you were yeah. sitting next to Neil deGrasse Tyson, even if you hated talking on planes, you would take your earbuds no, out. No, it's true. You'd be pretty excited about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be like losing my mind. Okay, so- <laughs> That, so I teach that cue for two reasons. Remember, there's decoding and there's encoding. There's two sides to every cue. An eyebrow raise, from a physiological perspective, your eyebrows are literally getting out of the way so you can see more, right? So that, that's where it comes from. It's like, yeah. wow, this is great. I'm open. I want to see more. Typically, when we're closed, we close in. We fur our brows. We close our body. So it's an open cue. So one, if you are interested, if you are engaged, if you want to encourage someone to talk more, you should raise your eyebrows. This is especially important for your introverted friends or colleagues. I had I wrote a lot for introverts in this book and for people who work with introverts because for an introvert, if they're nervous, they're saying something that isn't being well-received or they're afraid that they're talking too much, you raising your eyebrows is a way to say, keep going. I love it. You're welcome here, which is a, a kindness. So do more eyebrow raises when you're interested and engaged, especially around introverts. And second, if you are talking, and you're noticing, you're not getting a lot of eyebrow raises. It might be someone else's turn to talk, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're giving answers that feel a little bit like, mur, 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 <laughs> you'll notice people are like, hmm, yes, right. Of course. Wonderful. Great. No physical reaction. Mm -hmm. So it's also like step up your game in terms of conversation to get more, more engagement there. That's a, that's a high warmth cue. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So we've got the Last danger one. zone. We've got the high warmth. And now... Okay. High competence. So high competence is capability power. And we actually already talked about it a little bit with expansiveness. So I just want to expand on that a little bit more. I love power posing. And there was a lot that came out you know, a decade ago about power posing. The problem with that research is it becomes unusable when you walk into a room with your hands above your head. <laughs> it right. looks weird. I am when here. I'm, yeah, I am, I'm here. I'm rocking. Yeah. It looks weird when a middle schooler who's being interrogated by a cop puts their hands behind their head. Yeah. So, but the science is there. The more space we take up, the more confident we feel, the more confident we look. What I actually want you to focus on is not like standing like Wonder Woman or Superman. No, I'm going to teach you a much, much smaller one, especially for video calls, which is so weird. The cue is the distance between your earlobe 
and your shoulder. Oh, yes. I have something to say about this. Keep going. Oh my God. Yes. I love your stories. So this is a very simple measurement that if you want to look more confident or more competent, all I want you to do is maximize that space. And the reason for that is because when we are anxious, when we are afraid, we turtle our neck down, we we roll our shoulders up, we cross our arms and we have very little space. Have you ever seen a teenager walk down the hallway of a high school? They're like, there's no space when there is no shoulder. So it's a very simple, I want to take up more space, which means on video calls, you know, not sitting with your shoulders hunched up. It means making sure that you have, I love using armrests. I'm standing right now so that it helps keep my arms down. So that's the space. That's the cue I want you to think of is high competence means the maximum space between those two areas. So the story that I have to tell you is related to you, which is that, and it's funny because when I first said, ah, I have a story, I actually forgot that you are a part of the story, but you are. So also years ago, context here being that you wrote a monthly column for Entrepreneur for a while. You did a piece, I can't remember if you ran in print or if it was just digital, but whatever. Anyway, it was looking at LinkedIn profile photos. Yes. And we looked at mine. And at the time, I was using this photo of me that was, it was professionally done, but the photographer had me pose in this way in which I was kind of leaning on a table. And so my shoulders were actually quite up. And, um, you pointed out exactly this, that like the distance between my ear and my shoulder was very narrow and that was not sending the right signal. And I was alarmed because (laughs) you were so right. And this is the photo that I had been using for a while and it was like everywhere. And so so I I immediately moved to replace it and then to do photo shoots where I I have always been mindful in every shoot that I've ever done since about exactly that. And the, the, the shoot that I use now, you'll find it on all of my socials now, is like, it's like the longest neck possible. And that is all because of the Maybe this is why there was a giraffe on my cover. We've come full circle. Yes. Okay, so the action step here is exactly this, is please take a peek at your profile photos or your headshot and make sure you're not accidentally scrunching that up. I will say that the people who have gotten to read early copies of Q's, alarm is part of that emotion is like, oh no, Mm -hmm. my profile photo. Oh no, (laughs) I've been doing it all wrong. So don't worry, right? It's all about purpose. So yeah, it's a very easy fix, shoulders down. And also when you're on video, on meetings, it's a super easy fix. And also it's not obvious. Like I don't want to give you cues that are so inauthentic and so fake where you're like, and now I'm going to give a thumbs up and now I'm going to sit like Superman. Like it's so weird. This is a really small one. So you can do it really easily. Vanessa, I always love chatting with you. It's so fascinating. I thank you. I'm not sure if my middle school self thanks you or not. I think that my middle school self does thank you because <laughs> okay, you sort of validated, you validated what, what he was going for and that's worth something. And he was, and I, and I loved him too. I, he was <laughs> really purposeful and hopefully everyone who's listening, if your middle school self is listening, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. And that's our episode. I would love to hear what you think and maybe even about a problem that you solved. You can find me at my website, jasonpfeiffer.com. J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com. Also, I have some more useful stuff for you. I write a newsletter about how to future-proof yourself and become more adaptable and optimistic. I would love for you to sign up. It is at jasonpfeiffer.bulletin.com. Also, check out my other podcast. It's called Build for Tomorrow. In each episode, I take on some belief that we have that holds us back from progress and show you why it is not as bad as you think. 
Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.